Hello, everybody, and welcome to this new edition of the News Paste podcast. I'm Johnny Vedmore, and I'm here today with Jack Pendergrass, and he's all the way over there uh, across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, in in I think he's he is currently in Tennessee. I would I would uh, uh, suggest I don't know. I I think I've just asked him and he said he's from Tennessee, but I don't know if that means if he's currently in Tennessee. But here we are together to speak about some really interesting subjects that you're not going to hear almost anywhere else and this is a really important thing he's uh set up he's he's got a, a maximus disclosure and if you go around and look uh on telegram you'll find maximus disclosure and some other places where else can we find you jack um you know we found each other on on twitter of course so it's you know maximus disclosure on twitter um then I have, you know, the Telegram, of course, that you just mentioned. And then um, I have Facebook also. Now, it's Facebook and I um, also have Instagram. But those are more reserved for just, you know. Certain things that you can actually yeah, get away with. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I found Facebook to be insane. Um, but I, 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 from the moment I started advertising on Facebook, it was uh, trying to advertise on Facebook was 2017. I thought I'll advertise some of my articles on Facebook, and uh, the, the ads would run and they would take no money and they would show no people the ads. They wouldn't tell me they're not running, they would just run with no. And, and so I realized very quickly this isn't this this they're not gonna i'm blocked so i'm hidden away so <laughs> it's very yeah. it's very hard it's very hard to get i i i posted up um uh a few videos from a documentary i was in and one of them included uh rfk and whitney webb and they uh deleted that within I think it was minutes they 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 uh, got rid of that. So that was very interesting. But there's a lot of sides forming. So you're on. Is that also on on Facebook? Are you under Maximus Disclosure and everywhere else? You're just on Maximus Disclosure, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot. You know, initially I started using Facebook to like you know disseminate this information, um, and I still do. Um, but I'm slowly transferring the information, you know, from my Facebook accounts over to the Maximus Disclosure pages and, and channel on Insta, you know, or uh, Telegram, rather. So it's, you know, it's taken some time, but um, of course, you know, it, every time you get too close to the truth, they tank your accounts, you know. Yes, so that's, that's that's happened a few times. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's it's been a slow process, and, you know, over the years, it's, you know, taking some time to really get some traction and, you know, get the exposure. Um, How long have you been working at this sort of stuff, you know, starting to, to dip your, your toe into the independent media geez. world? Um, early 2000s, John. Like, um, um, initially, like, so I started, you know, the research, I guess the research, these different research areas of research, you know, in the early 2000s, because I worked for DuPont, um, worked for DuPont and, you know, a couple of large pharmaceutical companies. And um, there was, you know, I was presented with a lot of, well, not presented, I found a lot of information that I probably shouldn't have um, in some areas on, you know, some of the, uh, the intranets in, in the companies. Um, so I was kind of in a vacuum for a long time. 
um, with with that information in particular. But as far as like you know the information on Maximus and the family courts and you know some of the some of the other areas like you know the military industrial complex, um, probably within I'd say within the past ten or fifteen years is when I've you know really really put forth the effort and uh, making a go of it and you know researching heavily. Um, I suppose that's evolved over time. What you actually do with it, yeah. it it really has, you know, and, and I think that's a lot of. Uh, I think we see that with a lot of researchers and people are putting out, you know, information like we do, you know, you start, you start with a, start with an idea that's kind of nebulous, you know, and then you kind of pull things out of the ether and then, you know, make it more concrete. And, um, that's, that's taken me a long time because, uh, a lot of this information is not easily found, you know, some mm -hmm. of it is, but, uh, you know, a bigger portion of it just isn't, you know, you really have to dig and, uh, reach out to people um you know obscure Some, searches sometimes and... i find that the universe kind of reaches out for you in the same way um but i i, I know exactly um it, it makes me it reminds me just uh about 2017 an article i was writing about a group called the traditional britain group they were the most far right uh group you can have before you get to nazis and um I, they were hilariously aristocratic and etc and they had one member called john kersey i'd looked at this group and i found this one member john kersey who was pretending to be all of the things that he said he was so he said he was a uh, head of a church and he had all of these titles and he didn't have any of them he had just like one diploma from a university and other than that music diploma nothing but he gave himself loads of titles he made his own little church and everything and and he put out on his websites and it was all very interesting um and i was trying to understand like his life and why it ended up like this and how he managed to trick all of these people into thinking that he was something he wasn't and um and it led me to contact someone who was running for congress um i think he was running for congress at the time i can't remember george gollin um and he was a very interesting guy but he had done um loads of research about uh this uh, operation that was um, a fake educational diploma operation um, that the FBI and C and some other free uh, letter companies in America, agencies in America, uh, shut down. It was a diploma mill. And uh, this guy contacted me. Uh, I contacted him, and, and I've just contacted him thinking, maybe he'll have a quick comment, maybe I'll have something. And he sent me folders and folders and folders <laughs> of the information, just like more than the research. So, hello, I'm so glad you contacted I thought he was going to ignore me, you know? And what you discover is the universe is very compliant when it comes down to the truth. It seems that, that if you look in the right places, you find lots, but you do got to you have got to dig away so you've been digging for a long time and w what was the catalyst um as far as maximus goes um child support you know um that was that is what that is what maximus cut its teeth on so to speak that was how they initially became entrenched into to the government you know uh, was the United States child support program. Um, so it was that, um, you know, so can you, can that. you, can you tell, can you tell people, um, what Maximus is when you're referring to Maximus? Um, 
So we'll start with its outer shell, right? Because, you know, all these all these companies like Maximus, all these military industrial complex companies, they maintain this this um, persona um, of what they say they do versus what they're actually doing behind the scenes, right? So Maximus says that it is, and, and, and I'll quote, um, Based in Reston, Virginia, is a publicly traded for-profit corporation that receives government contracts to provide business process services to government health and human services. Different agencies within, you know, um, you know, whatever respective government they're providing services for. Um, so it's primarily, you know, health and human services. Um, so they'll do... Um, child support enforcement services, foster care, you know, they'll provide contractors, you know, um, to the different agencies to, to administer whatever area, you know, they're, they're, they've been contracted to, uh, to do. Um, but behind all that, you know, we have a, a completely military industrial complex company. Um, so when it, when we talk about that, you know, we have, we have to talk about, you know, uh, you're in the UK, so we have a parallel there, you know, with Zerko and some of the other some of the other companies, you know. But um, you know, Maximus was funded, or you know, not funded, founded by a uh, former former DARPA employee. So um, you know, he's the, the guy who founded the company. Um, is second generation West Point Military Academy. His father was in, involved in you know the Manhattan Project, you know some of the more um, more obscure projects, you know, under the Manhattan Project, you know, some of the MK Ultra experiments, you know, with with food radiation and, um, you know, providing your, you know, injecting people with, you know, irradiated, or you know, just radioactive isotopes, right? So it gets deep very quickly when when we start talking about Maximus. But if I had to just casually talk to someone, um, you know, walking up to someone on the street, so I just say they're a government. Um, a government contract provider, you know, services provider. Um, and just kind of leave it at that, you know. But for those of it, you know, uh, for anybody who's been following me for any amount of time or heard, you know, any of my other um, interviews, um, it's feet first, you know. I mean, Maximus is just so pervasive. And it's not just here in the United States, you know, even though that's where, where it began. Um, we're talking, you know, the UK, obviously, mm-hmm. um, they've, they've been entrenched there for some time. Now you, um, you sent me an article that was showing that I think they were had like four or were bidding and successfully bidding for four, uh, different just, uh, department of justice contracts. I think they were, um, yeah, that, yeah. that ranged uh, across the board with educations and prison employees and things, uh, prison, um, prison workers people who are out of prison who are on on parole by the sound of it as well um it, it, when you were talking about um w- you know the people who run these kind of uh, companies and you were talking about circo in the uk uh, which of course offers a wide variety of these similar services uh, and obviously maximus is in direct competition well i do right. um I, I i was just having a, a check but i didn't i didn't get onto it. i can't remember if it's rupert's Soames or Nicholas Soames, but um, uh, Grand 
grandsons of uh, Winston Churchill who uh, had the company. Um, and th this is a theme that you will get constantly is that they've got these big wigs at the top of these companies who are going to gobble up all these government contracts. And then uh, those big wigs, because they're the ones who are deciding, who, deciding who's below them and below them and below them, um, they get to employ all of the people. That means it's, it's infiltrated from the start. Every level of the top down, yeah, is completely <laughs> and utterly linked to intelligence operations programs. And it's not a surprise to hear that uh, this is like military-related programs that some of these guys have come from um so so tell us a bit more because this is obviously right up my street this is like this is like the, this the type of stuff i'm very interested in how um these big organizations that usually got loads of intelligence links gobble up all of these uh contracts and and take over our society this is like these are the veins of our society um if i want to go and get a job in the biggest employer on my street i gotta go through circo and they've got the contract for it so i mean they decide and and they they've never get, let me into any of the jobs i applied for where you have. <laughs> never ever i'm not one of them and they know it from the off they know it as soon yeah. as they read my my uh, so so tell us what we should know what we need to know what they are what this entity is what it really is who's in there who's up the top tell us everything we can possibly know give us a warning all right so we'll um we'll start with we'll start with the founder right we'll go back to 1975 um so that's when they they, they say they were formally founded right but you know as you know just mentioned a few moments ago um, the founder, his name's David Vincent Mastrin. Now, I, I would I would tell everybody to research that man and, and keep his his name ingrained in, in your in your in the back of your head. <clears throat> He's um, like I said, second generation West Point, but that particular class at West Point, um, and I'm slowly researching the rest of his classmates. Mm -hmm. um, at least in the U.S. Now, you know, I'm slowly getting to other countries, right? Because it's it's just such a massive corporation. Um, so, Mastrin was running what we know now was basically um, black op programs in Vietnam for for biometrics collections, biosurveillance, you know. Um, it's called uh, Igloo White was the name of the project. So without any great amount of imagination, you know, they, they took the information and the tech that they used in Vietnam. And they, you know, when he came out of Vietnam and in the Air Force, um, he migrated to the Pentagon and then eventually to um, it's called the Department of Educational Welfare. So that's where he took his foothold. And, you know, eventually it became Maximus um, after he left the Department of Education and Welfare. It transitioned into what we know now um, as the Department of Health and Human Services. Okay. Because I, I so, think at one point that was the Department of Health, Education and Welfare. And I know I've been doing some yeah. research um, uh, during the 70s of some of the people who were in that recently for a project I got going on. 
who was an extremely uh, intra, especially um, uh, through the seventies. You you had the Nixon era uh, yeah. crooked. Every single one of them has connections with some sort of intelligence agency. Uh, you've got the um, Gerald Ford era, which is just like the intelligence agency's taken over. Um, and then after that, you've got, of course, um, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the messing around with the next president before they can install their boy. <laughs> and then, yeah, their next, yeah. then the head honcho gets in yeah. right, with George H.W., of course, the, the head honcho of that period of the CIA, of the period we're talking about in the 70s. And they've all got these links around. They're all like in a big cabal, in a big... So it's so a really interesting era to come from in that certain specific department, for sure. It really is, you know, because the, the more I researched, you know, the, the further back I go and these, like these programs had been installed, like I said, you know, during the Manhattan Project and even before that. So if we go, um, if we go to um, the pre-NSA era, you know, we're looking at, you know, uh, right there in the UK with with um, with the Enigma, Enigma machine and, and Alan Turing and you know machine learning and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So that 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 parallel here would have been it was called the Black Chamber. So that's that's the agency that was um, you know just a tiny agency, but they were doing uh, cryptology here. Wow, what a name. I mean, if you want to give yourself a name that's got everything like Scottish Rites, Masonic Lodge type <laughs> stuff yeah. going on, yeah. that's, the, that's the name of it. sounds like, it's like if they turned up at your door and showed you their, their ID, their ID would be completely black <laughs> and they would yeah, have black they, eyes and yeah, Captain Black like, completely. Go on. Yeah, it's like they were sitting around, they were like, well, well what kind of ominous name can we give this? You know, and it's like, <laughs> Yeah, Black chamber. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of where you know, I guess if you really get down to it, that's where all this stuff began was the cryptology. You know, the end of uh, you know during World War One, World War Two. Um, you know, the beginning of, uh, of of computers being useful, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, computer based warfare. You know, predictability. Um, high-level statistics, you know, turning into algorithms and, you know, computer language programming, things of that nature. So that's that's a lot where a lot of these programs have been derived from. Um, if you read the child support manuals and in the United States, and then you read the ones coming out of, say, The Hague, um, you read like wartime manuals. You know, the language is very similar because what, what, they, what they did and what what the founder of Maximus specifically did is he applied Bayesian statistics, you know, um, which was derived from the Enigma machine error. Um, he, he took that, he took that information and applied it to turning people into targets. Um, so that's, that's what, that's where we're at. You know, they, Maximus had their first child support contract in the United States. And then it wasn't renewed because he had designed the child support system to intentionally target um, high income parents. 
Um, but Maximus was founded, so we have we have in the states. It's called the uh, OCSE, the Office of Child Support Enforcement, which is you know the federal um, federal uh, branch of um, the Department of Health and Human Services responsible for the child support uh, administration. You know, administering the programs, um, setting forth those standards. But what the OCSE actually is is the repository. Um, a central repository for all the child support cases in the United States. Then from there, the Hague, um, the Hague Treaty Convention on Child Support um, made it universal. Um, so what they can do now is tap into those child support um, cases and target parents. Um, so that's what we're what we're really looking at is a system designed by military industrial complex spooks cronies however you want to label it aimed at targeting and separating families so that they can capitalize off the children well and, you know, well, well that's not a surprise to hear that such a thing may be happening uh because of course we've seen throughout and every generation they deny it but for 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 past 50 years 60 years of history yeah, yeah. um it's been the intelligence agencies that have been done a lot of the child trafficking and people linked with the intelligence agencies how the cia is still allowed to operate how mossad is still allowed to go on how the people in their country can't just uh, are just completely disgusted same in in this country i'm in here mi5 and mi6 are dirty 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 they got blood on their hands and the stuff i research from the past if they knew it was happening at the time they would have gone crazy uh but it's just they know that there's a distance between what happened and the truth coming out and that's what they they rely on but eventually it catches up with them doesn't it and that's what we want to do and that's what you're obviously doing with maximus disclosure um so th th this company how big is it now is it is it just like uh, everywhere if you think about the five eyes program but on steroids so you know and then i'll you know i Everything I, I would preface with with this statement, you know, amongst researchers, you know, they're going to say, well, this company's larger. This company has more employers. You know, this company is in more areas of, you know, the economies. I don't disagree. But Maximus, what they did and what they are doing and will continue to do um, is create niches and mm -hmm. in, in needs where they didn't exist before. Mm hmm. And they're subverting everything in the government here. And that's that's kind of their divestiture plan, it seems, in the other countries. So right now we're looking at around 40,000 employees worldwide. So when I say worldwide, so we'll start in the U.S., go up to Canada. Um, Canada, Nova Scotia. So then we'll, we'll hop the pond and we'll go to U.K. And when I say U.K., I mean the entirety. Um, England, Wales, Scotland. Um, two years ago, they opened up the markets in Ireland. So then we go to um, we go to Italy. Um, then we'll go to Israel, um, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, 
Um, I don't think they're in, in, in Qatar yet. Yet. Um, Sweden, Norway. Um, I found some information that they may be in the Netherlands currently also. Um, I know they're recruiting people from Germany and, and Turkey um, into their UK divisions. So um, we know about, you know, Sadiq Khan, you know, and, you know, a lot of that stuff is, it, this is all tied to my activeness, you know. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that they're, um, I wouldn't say that, that, you know, there's some things that they just didn't do, they didn't create, but a lot of it, I would point right to Maximus and, and the people, you know, that, that have been involved in their top tiers for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, you, you get, get keep keep your, your train of thought there. Um, the, the idea that the, uh, it, it's a small company, but it's very focused. I did a research on DE Shaw, where Jeff Bezos, uh, what where he was before Amazon, and how basically they they were accounted for something like five to ten percent of the this New York Stock Exchange, and they were a very small company that was hyper focused, and they would employ and they would give their tasks that were best suited to that employee, rather than they would choose they would be employed for a task. So they 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 were very focused, very hyper focused, and that sort of organization can take over large sectors very quickly um because these big grotesque companies of course are just oh oh they don't really have like a mind a very focused mind they're too busy as like a, a massive entity just trudging along so it gives gives room for these guys and of course they have to keep it quite small because they're probably doing naughty things behind the door so sorry go on i thought i'd uh interrupt for that they don't have to be uh too big to make an impact Yeah, they're they're incredibly focused. You know, they're they're their recruiting is 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 pretty crazy. You know, they're pulling from from all these major major tech corporations. You know, like IBM. Um, Not a surprise to see the, the Nazis in the in the crowd tonight. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, um, so we you know if we look at IBM, then we can we can also see the ties to. Uh, the Social Security Administration and um, the IRS and a few other agencies here um, that they're basically have privatized and are running um, for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, and, and for those that don't know, like, you know, the Social Security number was, um, you know, this, the systems developed by IBM for Hitler were the precursors to the social security number. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Maximus was, uh, I would say in its infancy stages with, with, with the founder's father then. And, um, we've arrived where we're at now. And, uh, mm -hmm. Maximus has basically laid the, laid the blueprint for privatization. I'll say for, for anybody listening, um, when you start in researching intelligence agencies, start requesting documents from intelligence agencies, you're going to have issues with certain devices. Um, yeah. I have, believe me. Um, 
some some of the alphabet boys, some some of those gangs. Um, I've requested documents from, and I've had nothing but but trouble from from my devices since. Never really had any issues before. Mm-hmm. So that being said, <laughs> I, well, well, I had uh, free uh, computers pop in all different sorts of way ways from the moment I published a certain article in 2019 about Nicole Yankerman and another one then about Black Cube. Um, I can't remember what we were talking about. What were we talking about there? I think we were just talking about in general, like, you know, where where Maximus, Maximus was at, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of like their, uh, their corporate structure, or, you know, the countries they were in. Um, so they're also in Saudi Arabia. Um South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania, um, Singapore. Um, Singapore is interesting because Singapore is such a hotbed for technology. Um, and that's just, you know, off the top of my head. I've also found programs and, you know, that they've operated in uh, uh, Egypt um, and a few more. Um I think the UK, the UK subsidiary actually owns a subsidiary in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw that on a website just yesterday, um, yesterday or the day before. So they're, you know, once they're entrenched in a government and it doesn't take them long, that government will, if it's not already privatized, it will be. Um, and they're doing it through healthcare, And, you know, you know, that's what we're seeing, you know, under the, the, the WHO and WEF um, and the global, you know, communism movement. Because when we, what, you know, when we strip away what what um, global go, globalism is, you know, it's nothing but total uh, totalitarianism. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I I agree with you completely. I. I... I think some people would describe it as some sort of communitarianism. Some people would say it's like a, just a, a mashup of all of the best bits that they love the most out of fascist ideology mixed with communist ideology mixed with socialist and democrat. It doesn't matter. Capitalist. Well, we're for, for every all of the best bits for us, you know, that, that that's kind of like a, what a lot of people see it as. But it's definitely um, communistic in nature. And by my research, that's kind of how the Western world has been going for a long time they 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 realized that when they had to fight after world war ii when they had to fight this ideological war against an extremely cultured soviet state and they were seen as the the giant sort of grotesque sort of monster they suddenly clashed into this idea what we've got to create ourselves to be as cool as these guys you know as as cultured as these guys and for that you've got to basically promise everybody the world and if you promise everybody the world nobody gets the same and you have equity and all of that uh, complete and utter equality should i say you get you get this monster which is communism rise up whether you like it or not and tech communism looks very scary but people are gonna say johnny you haven't held him to account enough because these are big claims as well about the fact that that you know uh this is a system of child support and it allows them to traffic children and do things like this or like get get kids into the arms of traffickers explain that process explain uh, fundamentally how that works for people 
people so that they can understand because a lot of people will just that'll disconnect and they'll say he's talking loopy nonsense and you're not holding him to account but i i you know i i know how some of this sort of stuff works but i'd be interested to hear what you describe it as so I'll, I'll i'll give you some examples you know um here in the states now you know i know each country operates a little differently but when you have the hague involved and you have private international law involved what they're doing is they're making it you know they're blanket orders no matter what country you're in for either child support or foster care right particularly child support so child support what they what they maintain and what what they tell you and it couldn't be any further from the truth so um here in the states let's say you know you're married um you have a child you know you have a divorce um so then you start discussing custody who's going to get custody who's going to be the custodial or non-custodial parent you know custodial meaning you know that the child that's who they they primarily reside with you know besides um you know if it's a 50 50 visitation which which the courts don't like because they don't make money from it right so you end up you know me as a dad when i had um visitation rights um which in and of itself is messed up because this is all, you know, language, you know, derived from the bar association, you know, mm -hmm. disconnect from road. humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, black cube worshiping male Moloch. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can get all into that later, but, uh, so all this language is divisive and it's been designed by the bar and the military industrial complex. So, but getting back to what they say, um, and what the what the language reads. So you have a custody battle, a custody dispute. You have custodial, non-custodial parents. The child resides with one, and they will tell you that you're going to have this this um, quote unquote obligation to maintain the level of um, quality of life before you were divorced, right? And um, they've they've essentially by doing just that alone, they've placed a um, a monetary value upon your child, and they do base it on you know, at least in part, the parents' um, income. Now, each state in the in the U.S. has you know, they're different. Um, statutes stipulations policies and things of that nature so you'll see varying amounts right um what they don't tell you is that the money for these programs when they make you when they say an obligation it's because the states have taken out a loan in your name that they're making you pay back with interest in a lot of cases this is this is not conjecture, you know. This is this is stuff I've been studying for a long time, and it's it, it's all there. So the high performing states, the states that really go after parents, they get incentives through the through these programs. And if you want to research it, it's Title Four D of the Social Security Act of nineteen seventy five, mm -hmm. which is when Maximus was founded. Okay, this is extremely. This also um. So it, this also opens up a question in um, a case I've researched for a long time. 
And uh, this is a case of Kendall House. And Kendall House was a girl's home. It was a place for troubled girls. They say they treated like a psychiatric home. But in fact, a lot of the girls they put in there weren't psychiatric care patients at all they were just normal girls who were a little bit troubled at home didn't get on with their parents and they got dumped off into this care home in the 70s um and uh, a survivor uh, called Teresa cooper has given a massive amount of evidence on this subject and anybody uh is is direct to go um to uh teresa cooper's site oh i wish i could remember what it's called i think it's no to child abuse with a two but i can't I, I i can't remember um but basically these girls were were completely abused it was uh, i mean psychologically abused um i believe from the research i've done and from the amount of uh list of um care, pharmaceutical products they were giving these girls they were they were drugging them up the wazoo and these girls were uh raped over and over and they were abused um and they were put into a system that was kind of like a pr a private but church supposedly church run system yeah. where the person in charge of administrating the drugs uh this nurse ratchet type character um her husband was working for glaxo down the road and there's obviously these strange connections all over the place and it was run by a guy called dr perrin panayang <laughs> panayagam panayagam <laughs> perrin panayagam that's it i got it i'm sure that's his name it's hard it's hard and it was run by him. He ran um, another mental hospital. And it was just obvious they were they were completely and utterly uh, testing drugs on the kids yeah. and etc. Now, um, one of the people, the person who was in charge regionally in this new entity that was created in um, nineteen, I think it was about nineteen seventy two or nineteen seventy three. It was officially created, but by nineteen ninety four, a man called Nick. Nicholas Stacey had been given uh, the region of Kent to care for for British social services. And social services, of course, um, were responsible for not only all the kids going in and out of foster care, all the adopted kids, all of the foster homes and all the security and safety. Um, they were responsible for, for you know, every single part of uh going in and out of court and giving the reasons why to keep these kids in these the, these care homes and when uh someone um uh was raped he, nicholas stacy uh, exclaimed how proudly in an interview i listened to how he could go in and get that person off because you know they they, they these girls are troubled so they do lots of crazy things and you can just get them off by just speaking to the judge and saying they're troubled they're crazy and they'll they'll soon be gone this was the same guy who in the same interview which is a really long only archive only um in the british archives a set of interviews with him is really bizarre set of interviews he actually says teachers who are attracted to 13 year old boys or men who are attracted to 13 year old boys make the best teachers 
That's one wow. of his sentences. I mean, it is amazing that he was in charge of this girls' school, um, a girls' school, girls' home, psychiatric girl care care facility where it was just really trouble girls. It was, and they just drugged them. The, the description is a load of girls piled up on top of each other in dirty piss filled rooms, rooms with with um off their face, drooling out the side, and being taken aside every now and again for very, very, very bad actions and no one really was held responsible they did an inquiry into it eventually and the say some of the same people who were involved in the jimmy savile inquiry was involved in that inquiry and guess what they found it oh well it was all in the past and all this you know and and uh, you know it's the same companies and the same issues and the same set of rules that are being implemented that allow for the same things to take place so i wonder if that 1974 1975 76 mark that uh, Nicholas Stacy was first taking up his role that he stayed in the position for eight to ten years as the head of um, care in uh, care in uh, social services in Kent. I wonder if that period he, they used much in the way of of such uh, organizations as Maximus growing new organizations that needed to be created to fill a very focused niche that centered directly on how to make money from these girls because it is clear from court testimony all over different cases all over Great Britain that these girls who were in care homes were then systematically trafficked and that person who um uh, who originally like the, the, the minister who originally oh his name always escapes me it's so frustrating um keith joseph keith joseph was a man who was put in charge of creating uk social services and he was a man who was just i mean i if you go and watch the episode of firing line with william f buckley where he interviews keith joseph it will scare the life out of you i really mean it look at him and know that he created this system he's a really strange he's kind of like he's talking about girls and his eyes are rolling up into the back of his head and he just like you know that it it does not make sense why these people were in charge of all of these facilities how did the uh fox get in charge of the chicken coops it it occurred to me you know some time ago i was you know just researching and i got to thinking about job placement programs. So we know with with a great certainty that if you have a certain proclivity, you know, if you're if you uh, alcoholics have Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You know, you have treatment centers for, for people who are addicted to drugs. Um, so I guess where I mean to, what I mean to say and where to go with that is Pedophiles or anybody that have, you know, those tendencies or well, not even tendencies, they're just evil in, in my estimation, just purely evil. They would have a network, obviously, to put them um, in businesses that deal with children. And a great, a great amount of it seems to become, you know, come from um, social service, social services, um, daycare centers uh anything to do with with testing on children from the pharmaceutical industry um chemical industries you know you know we, if we're looking at the uk then you know 
we're all well aware of a lot of the families there. But then if you look at, you know, two of the pharmaceutical uh, companies I work for, one being from France, which is uh, uh, Sanofi. So then we start talking about DuPont, which I work for. So it's, the, you know, the chemical industries and the, the pharmaceutical industries are married at the hip. Mm-hmm. You know, Sanofi was supplying some of the drugs that were used to sedate these girls in this mental hospital. Exactly. Psychiatric you know, and, uh, care facility. Yeah. Um, and Sanofi, you know, their work, um, I think it was um, Mary Curie and, you know, when they discovered, you know, radioactive elements, that's kind of how they, they, um, they ran me, they, they gave me a crash course on the history of Sanofi. I, I don't remember it right offhand, but it was tied into, um, you know, radioactive isotopes and, you know, they were first, first found. So, um, but we, we know pharma, pharmacia, pharmacopia, the pharmaceutical industry has been there for millennia. Um, different labels, of course, different types of drugs, but it's all, you know, to the same end. Mm-hmm. Um, we just said snake oil once upon a time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I like an ibuprofen. Don't get me wrong. And, um, <laughs> I, I myself had, um, radio iodine treatment. So radioactive iodine treatment where I had to sw- swallow radiation and it goes through your body and goes up into your thyroid to try and kill your thyroid off. Eventually they had to just cut my thyroid out. So I got, I got both bad bits. I got the radiation and the surgery as well. Whoop, whoop, NHS, uh, for the win. Let's spend as much money as possible. <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> these guys uh there's there's uh i i'm i'm pretty positive that there's a lot of these guys um circling who lobby government constantly and they must also have like working groups uh, do you know do you have any idea of how maximus links with all of these other companies like links with maximus that they've been able to get into there is it's called alec uh, um the american Legislative Exchange Council, I believe, um, <laughs> ALEC. So Maximus lobbies ALEC, you know, which is comprised of, you know, pretty much nothing but but attorneys and senators and, you know, congressmen, people in high places to either change the law, rewrite the law, change or rewrite, re- rewrite laws, or create new laws altogether so that they are usually first in line when they're when they're getting contracts right it, it goes back to the adage how do you want a horse race you own all the horses so all their moves you know everything they're doing is to their benefit so they get the big contracts and then it occurred to me you know and this is not up for debate either. Maximus has larger databases than the than the NSA. That's that's been confirmed by by multiple sources, right? So it's like, well, what do you, what do you do if you don't fall in line with what they want? Well, they probably have information on you that you don't want getting out, and and it's the same for every government. You know, it's who can blackmail whom. Um, pictures, videos, you know, compromising, you know, anything of that nature. Um, 
So Maximus has access to all of that. They have access to literally everyone's healthcare records from from the time before you're born to the time you die. Um, and all points in between. You know, perfect, a perfect of, point to get in for in any intelligence uh, operation to get in for intelligence gathering. Uh, people don't really exactly. understand quite how important all of these and and why why I think the British chose uh, something like the National Health Service uh, really re really helped to um, mean that they could infiltrate everyone's information uh, at a whim whenever they want to and find out everything in their their closet. Their databases are massive and sprawling, and their information they keep are is for a long time and always there for you. Exactly. You know, and there again, you know, that, that ties back into child support. It's like, well, how do you, how do you track children? Well, you create a database like quote unquote child support. <laughs> so they can, you know, the mother's going to the doctor before she has the child. She's getting blood tests. She's doing everything she can to take care of the child. All the while, all that information is going to multiple agencies being being you know farmed out you know um, we have it's called epic um epic was founded in 1978 which falls just on the heels of, of the child support programs and the foster care programs coming out of the 1975 social security act and they can use that information against you um and the, and the thing is about maximus and all these agencies contracting with the bar you know, the bar is looking at it and they're creating socioeconomic profiles based on just health care. Um, if you don't have any court cases, that's fine. It doesn't matter. They have like, there's a company called LexisNexis that's based on. Oh, Atlanta. yeah, I know yeah. LexisNexis. They came yeah. up in one of my investigations too. Yeah. 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 So LexisNexis, you know, is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was um, it was founded by an attorney. Mm -hmm. So you can order, at least in the States, I don't know about, you know, any of the other countries, um, you can order your LexisNexis report and it will, mine, you know, mine was 89 pages. <laughs> Did it just say naughty boy on the front? <laughs> it, it may as well, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah. they're throwing out information you didn't even realize, you know, things that had happened. You were just like, wow, I don't even remember that. Like, you yeah. know traffic tickets, anything that has to do with court that's assigned a number, a court case, um, which is tied into the IRS because they're all taxable events. That ties into the court registry investment system. I might um, get more than you. I might I might have more than eighty nine pages if it was if it was me who had such a I wonder if LexisNexis covers uh, the UK. Does LexisNexis cover the UK? I don't know, Johnny. Um I mean, you've got, uh, yeah. you've got the UK bar right there, you know, so yeah. uh, why wouldn't they, you know? Very strange change, a very strange set of people make up that sort of uh, group, wow. for sure. Esoteric. <laughs> that's, that's very polite. <laughs> yeah. They, they, you know, my, my daughter's, um, my daughter's grandfather, he was, uh, he's still an attorney. My daughter's mother is, um, paralegal works for a former district attorney and then her uncle is also an attorney so it's a family affair so you know i never had a chance in court you know with my daughter um 
so my parental rights were stripped in 2013 and it was uh based on you know primarily child support mm -hmm. you know um and at the time tennessee so you had your your monthly calculation for child support amount right and then you had what's called arrears you know or amount that uh, for whatever reason you know you didn't maintain your your monthly obligation right so it falls into arrears for, for back, you know, back collections. So at the time, Tennessee was charging 12% annual interest on arrears calculations. Um, and I think just two years ago, less than, less than two years ago, maybe about a year now. But I finished paying off all my child support, you know, and, and the arrears. And that was around seventy seventy five $75,000. Um, now that's not nearly as much as some people I know who have had to pay. You know, they're they're in six figures for child support. There again, you know, they they base it on on um, an aggregate. You know, I, I guess you know a combined total income between the parents. You know, and whoever's making more, uh, you know, let's say it's father. You know, he's going to pay a pay a ton in child support. And I only had the one daughter. You know, so I know you know people four or five kids, you know, get caught up in a divorce and custody battle and they're paying between six and $10,000 a month, you know? Um, now, here's the thing. The more child support amount, the larger amounts they, the, the states collect, the more they get back from the federal government. Um, so, for instance, and, and they claim it's, you know, it's, it's welfare recovery, which is part of it. Um, so for every dollar Tennessee spends in their, their either child support collections program or their, their welfare programs, for every dollar they spend, they're getting back almost $6. How much I of think. that is going to kids or the... the, the... The other, the other side of the family, are they actually um, very, 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 very little. And when I say very little, I mean it's it's almost non-existent, Johnny. Like right now, in Tennessee, the state treasury is sitting sitting on almost a billion dollars in undistributed welfare money. <laughs> so it's sitting in the state treasury collecting interest. So, mm -hmm. so it's not just that money, but it's the money that that money generates right um tennessee is one of the uh, one of the one of the countries that their countries is one of the states that receives more government you know there's maybe five or six other states that, that receives as much federal funding uh, for their for their programs you have tennessee mississippi you know texas um California, you know, some of your larger states are going to collect a lot, but then you go up to uh, New England and in those states, and that's very old money. So you have um, so they so they've set up a system to generate money just hand over fist. Mm -hmm. Since since the the child support legislation, you know, the supposed laws were passed in in seventy five. Um, 
just in child support collections alone, um, I think the collections are in excess of like 1.2, 1.3 trillion. Um, some states have um, either a, a, a pass through or um, they can eat, actually hold on to the money if they want to. It's it's just a crooked system, and there again, you know, they've they've attached a, a monetary amount to a child. Um, now, foster care is you know it falls under that same legislation that came out in 1975. Um, foster care is generating as much money, but then you know we have all these other other addendums, I guess you would you, you could say, you know, along the way that have incentivized this for even the judges and the, the attorneys involved in these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, each case is monetized, right? So each case is attached, you know, has securities and bonds attached to them. The district courts in the United States buy those securities and bonds and they're pooled. Um, and then they're sold on the stock market. That's amazing. So it's, it's money for kids sold on the stock market. Yeah. So, um, and that also ties into the, the birth certificate, right? So if you don't know anything about the birth certificate, you, it's, it's a warehouse receipt for a product. Um, the number on the birth certificate is actually, actually a QCIP number. So we see monetary amounts for children, monetary amounts for, for us as adults. And that's, that's how it's been for, for a very, very, very long time. Um, and this is all tied back to the, the Vatican and the Jesuits and even older than, than them, you know. Um, okay, that uh, people are going to want to hear about. People are going to say, how does it tie to the church, the Jesuits, and even back further? Because, I mean, most of the people who know me know that I like to go back even further. And there's always something in the past, and how we translate it is all individual and independent how people even will hear what you have to say now uh, some people will say poppycock and other people will say yay and other people will say i'm not sure you know and it's like it's it's like trying to explain to people how these um organizations these uh as talking to someone who who studies hermeticism and really a lot of these uh, hermetic orders you know they 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 um special orders that are to, to to kind of like especially if you're a religious person um definitely outside the order of of god and then you have different types of them and some have emotion and spirituality and all of this and some are quite harmless uh and others are the dark emotionless uh i think it, 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 we describe them as right eye organizations such as the freemasons and the like um so so the, the, this is like a very interesting realm for people people know they're not allowed to talk about it they feel a little bit naughty like you know, oh, <laughs> we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna see someone naked or something. You know, we're gonna hear. <laughs> so, so people are, people are always interested in this. So, g- give us your the best explanation you can. I mean, I'd say sell it to us, but but I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're able to describe to us how this thing works. Okay, so um, in my estimation, you can't leave. You can't really, you can't leave religion out of this, right? Because it's the provides a basis for for their belief and, and for their beliefs. And, and 
um, their lack of morals um, or anything thereof associated with, right? So when I say that these systems are tied to the Vatican and the Jesuits, we have to look at where the origin of the Vatican and the Jesuits come from and, and those monetary systems. So then we have to go back to the Canaanites, which are which were called in in the Greek language Phoenicians, right? So that's who gave us the the maritime admiralty jurisdictions, those those laws of the sea, because that's um you have the bar to thank for that. You have the Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin, um to thank for these laws, so-called laws. So what does the ship do when it comes into port? Oh, it's, it's birthing, right? So birth certificate, warehouse receipt, bill of lading. Um, what do you find on either side of a river? Um, banks. Oh. Um, but that's where, that's where, um, those are, that's the jurisdiction that courts are operating under. Some of them are just, just completely lawless altogether, and they, they pay no attention to any of that, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about commerce, commercial transactions, um, like I said, you have to look to the uh, the Canaanites, the, the Phoenicians. That's who created... Now, they systems. were a pretty sick bunch, I hear, on the grapevine. Yeah, you, know, um, you know, the Phoenicians... Or, um, child sacrifice when we talk about Baal and Moloch. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's where we where we find it. You know, um, it's from from that culture, from that civilization. Um, these are ancient systems we're fighting. You know, a Maximus is just more your more modern iteration, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely but, uh, agree with this. I mean, there's only a certain amount of manifestations that we can uh, create of any type of sort of like technology that's the grand technology at the time. And everybody knows that no one plays master system anymore. You know, as soon as one technology passes by, um, you, you go on to a technology much further along the line and all of the rest of the technologies are boring to you, mundane, and the past looks stupid and full of idiots. And why were they doing that? And you're actually just doing the same with this newer version of the technology. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, yeah. that's where we're on. We're making the same yeah. evil decisions brutalizing the same people torturing the same and and sacrificing babies in the same way in loads of different ways whether whether it, uh back in the day it was um on an altar with the phoenicians uh with to to bail or more um, moloch uh nowadays it's like we sacrifice these babies with a jab and other things you know that 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 is it's it's societal it's the same it's the same thing happens from the same sickness and malaise that people get from like a culture as it's like looking for the answers can't find the answers so it decides to hurt kids because that seems to be the reoccurring uh theme throughout history is uh as we torture the next generation the next generation prepares to torture the next generation and so on and so on and so on and it's been going for a long time and so, like you say, uh, so so after the Phoenicians, can you go a little bit? Can you connect us from the Phoenicians to the the Phoenicians to the future? It sounds like a so, it sounds like an organization. So we go from Phoenicia, and and it's just a simple um, 
Well, it's not just a simple uh, pronunciation, but the Phoenicians migrated to what we know as Venice. So mm -hmm. when they arrived in Venice, you know, through, uh, after some time, the Venetians became the Venetian black nobility or the oligarchy. Mm -hmm. That's who created the Jesuits and that's who created the Vatican. And then from there, respectively, it went from, from Italy to Switzerland. And the Swiss, the, the people are going to say this is probably garbage. The Swiss have never been neutral. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've, I've uh, done a lot of research on the Swiss, especially with them. Um, they're very, they're very clever. Um, but they are the perfect. They, they've got the route through. If an army wants to supply uh, troops or something along those lines, they've got to go through. If they don't want to go round all the way or be like Hannibal and take uh, the, the the elephants across mountains or whatnot, yeah. you yeah. know, the perfect analogy of the failure that comes from trying to cross something like the Alps or the Andes, uh, then yeah, you have to pay the tax to the Swiss, and the Swiss became so vital because people don't realize that way leads to france and that way leads to italy and that way leads to germany and that way well bavaria holy roman empire eventually yep, yep. uh austria all of it all of it surrounded it's it's like the gateway to western europe much much in the same way that there's like lots of different gateways around the world to the to, to, it's like it was a really important so they've never been neutral and i've done a lot of research on klaus schwab of course whose ancestors are swiss and uh is is his father and um is uh his wife his father and his grandfather tried to become swiss citizens but because his grandfather renounced his swiss citizenship to move back to germany he wasn't allowed to but when you uh investigate how the swiss works they're very very careful operators and it's a very strategic country go on sorry oh no you're fine johnny no those those are those are great points you know um great information to have you know and then, you know, if you if you study the Swiss for any amount of time, you will you will see if you look at their ancestry, the Swiss are actually of the pharaonic bloodlines coming out of Egypt. So whether or not you prescribe to the Bible as as a holy book and how you should leave the live your life, um, if you look at the Bible as a historical document, if you want to take that that perspective of it. That will give you a, a, a pretty good education on on the bloodlines and how we arrived where we're at. Now, just just as a, a note, you know, like the name Maximus is actually Italian, um, and the Maximus Orsini clan from from just you know my research over the past few years, the Maximus Orsini clan is who is currently sitting atop you know the black nobility families. Um, and we say, you know, we use black nobility. What what does that mean? Um, there were a group of families that stood by one of the popes. Um, I'm sorry, it's escaping me. It's a lot to remember if you don't. Have yeah, it's it's really. I mean, I I know I've done a I uh, the the first article I wrote that really started causing trouble in my life uh, about Nicole Youngham and her um, husband was uh, Ferdinando Brachetti Peretti and Peretti uh, uh, him and his, his brother are the heads of API Oil uh, the Italian oil yeah. uh, ma uh, manufacturer of course they're extremely rich extremely powerful the Peretti family um, is very famous as well uh, the, 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 the 
his mother was the only female, the first female general in, and maybe the only as well in the Italian army. Um, uh, it's a very strange sort of links. Uh, one of his, his sisters was uh, in the um, Studio 54 scene and was one of the main designers who created Tiffany's the very famous uh, uh, yeah yeah and that was a, a parade and they're very they're all knights of malta and they're all in these orders that that are scattered around and i i would i wonder i wonder if they're part of the black nobility because there's there's a real i mean looking at the italians how their secret society goes it go, goes it's very much like you know <laughs> eccentric version of a secret society a lot of the time they like to tell people they're in it yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, how counterintuitive is that, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm in something, but I can't tell you about it, but ask me about it, you know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, ask <laughs> you know? me about it. <laughs> the <It's laughs> yeah. Italians, they love it. They, they love they love a little bit of conflict, it seems. That's what is being expressed yeah. to me. There's a Bill Bryson book just behind me there that I, I, I think uh, goes through a bit about how, how Italy was in Bill Bryson's. To, he, he was talking about how he watched a car, like dent all the other cars as it was trying to get into the space and then couldn't get into the space and guy called out of the the window because he couldn't open the door and then he started kicking all the cars around him because he was so angry <laughs> <laughs> and then he he came out and went off to look for a new space <laughs> so, so it's like, like i think it i think it's something like that anyway but that, they're kind of like you know they're very uh they like conflict which is why maybe they rose to fame shot to fame at one point a lot of people don't understand Europe, don't understand how it's worked and and um, how the flow of people happened. Because, of course, tribes from the east were just basically constantly pushed uh, westwards. Um, and so, you know, if you're a believer in the Bible, then you would say probably like, you know, uh, what, what the lost tribes of Israel and all of that all went out and populated uh, Europe. If you were a believer in, in uh, other things, you would believe a slightly different history but you can I, I mean for the limited amount of time that we've had some sort of genetic tracing you can basically trace the root of most people to one area or another so i know i've read in a couple of places that the root of what uh, most of the welsh ancestors uh comes from uh, or the celtic ancestors I mean, Welsh ancestors, because Wales itself has got like five different genetic, like clearly separate genetic groups living within it. So uh, that that does it doesn't work quite like that. Um, but but the, the you know the uh, route is somewhere in Austria, a little village in Austria, is basically where all of the Celtic people came from. They kind of like rose up and then they they shot across the place and they just populated all over the place, you know. And you just have like <laughs> these spurts of this obvious golden uh golden uh seed and egg going off around the place to uh to be completely and utterly capped yeah, capture a certain area at a certain time so their genetics were just perfect to manifest in that area in space and and time and there's a a lot around europe where you've got a lot of these tribes uh, old tribes lost tribes new tribes uh separated tribes uh, and they're thousands of years old yet none of them really know where they come from because they've all been taken over about 20 30 times by different <laughs> different people at different points yeah, yeah. so so I, people kind of until you get to about 1300 uh not everything is locked in the genetics don't really move past about 1500 years ago so about 500 ad the 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 
people who the grandparents today who were tested genetically are exactly basically the same map if you put their genetics on a map of britain it's the same as a map of 508 ad in britain where you had the Elmet and all of these uh north humbers and south humbers and the lanks and all of these you can see them as separate genetics that have stayed intact for 1500 years Mo I, I mean for the grandparents now it's completely different because we've had massive migration like unbelievable amount of migration so yeah. of course it's going to be basically they're trying to make a globe a, a globe they're trying to make a world and what we're talking here with maximus is very much how one of the uh methods they use to capitalize um and take over large swathes of the globe because this is a global company like you say it's based all around the place what is what is their future because this is turning into a globalist technocratic uh transhumanist world well what is maximus the future of maximus is it just gonna to be eventually the vanguard and black rock of that sector i all think so yeah. i really think so you know they've they've you know like we've been talking about they've they've created niches and put you know um, influence legislation and everything else to put themselves in these places in the future. Mm-hmm. I can't foresee any reason why they wouldn't continue on this the same path. It's it's very effective. You know, yeah. they start a, they start a few small programs. You know, under contract in a comp, you know, in, in a country. Next thing you know, they've privatized that country. Yeah. Um, through contracts. And that's that's one of the important aspects of commercial law. It's it's contract law. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would you stop if you're in 12 to 15 countries? The company's generating four or five billion a year. Um, oh, and what's interesting about the UK and Italy contracts? Large parts of those are being funded by the EU. Hmm. Um. So that's that's definitely something. If anybody's, you know, I guess the takeaway from what we're talking about is like, want to provide people with a lot of crumbs mm-hmm. to research and look at this stuff. You know, if it's wrong, tell me. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not above. You know, I'm I'm not beyond reproach. You know, um, I, I I'm I I have some I have some like my my thought is if they've got such a large amount of money, and this is one of my thoughts, one of the many thoughts, and it, this might be a more conspiratorial one, uh, but, uh, well, you know, we got to be able to test all of the boundaries to understand where we are and what is really going on, because sometimes uh, they work off the fact that you're too scared to look at all of the options, and they make it a, a, a culture of fear to look at all of the options. Don't question everything. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, so, so, if they've got so much money up there is not going to the kids or the kids family or is some of it going to the kids family or are some of the kids just not there anymore and that's that's one of my questions because i've i've seen some horrifying statistics about missing yeah. people uh every year especially children who go missing and i i i can't I, it you know if the statistics that i've seen are true i can't rationalize where all of those kids are going um and it makes no sense so there's obviously been an industry and every time every era there's child trafficking going on in almost broad daylight 
And every time people say afterwards, oh, why didn't they see it in the past? And it's quite simply because people are switched off to pain. They don't want to experience pain. Even if someone else's pain, your pain, it makes no difference. Got to stop you know, feeling pain. It goes, you know, it goes back to behavior, you know, behavioral systems and in, in indoctrinating the population. It's like, okay, you say child support, you know, me, me speaking to someone or anybody who has to pay child support, the, the knee-jerk reaction is, well, you should pay it. It's like if you understood what it, what it really is, you would fight it. What I'm, what I'm not suggesting is that you not take care of your offspring. I'm saying the government should stay out of it mm -hmm. um, for all intents and purposes. You know what? I, you know, I think there's I, a lot of I think I think a lot of people would say it's hard for a mother to get some sort of um, recompense, some compensation, some sort of uh, money to help with the kids in nearly every case. That's what a lot of people would say because uh, the fact is is that uh, mums usually let these things go. They're responsible. Um, when families break up, there tends to be a lack of security and the guy usually has to leave and then there's all problems with the, the money and to, like balance. And eventually, it obviously is going to come to an equilibrium where if you're going to get to see a kid or should come to an equilibrium that if you're going to get to be a part of your, the kid's life, you've got to find a balance between everything so everybody's happy and and that's hard to organize between two people who have usually split up so that's what a lot of people would say so what is the alternative to what like lawless anarchy in the world of <laughs> child support and the current system we've got where the government's involved and um putting out these contracts to private industry what 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 is the thing that can be done instead i mean what if what I've seen work um, is you know private arbitration between between the parents. You know you have to involve attorneys, but that seems to be the best way. That way you keep you you stay out of these child support programs, you stay out of these foster care programs because the moment you here's the thing when 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 a mother applies to get child support when she's on state, uh, you know she's receiving benefits from the state in any any capacity and this can be just from simply filling out the application for child support she has relinquished part of her parental rights mm -hmm. they don't tell they don't tell parents that but they are now under the government's thumb even even more so than before you know yeah. so the best thing to do is uh you know if if either party can can afford you know to hash it out not in front of a judge, but between, you know, attorneys and come to an agreement and adhere to that agreement. That's the best option. Because as soon as you get in front of a child support judge, you get in front of a, a judge that deals with uh, high conflict, divorces, all bets are off. They really are. Um, you think the whole whole game is rigged and is unfair and is not only on the one side, it's on all sides. I think it's rigged, and it's for the for the judges and the attorneys. I'll be honest. Um, I mean, well, they, they 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 make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. They, they make a tremendous amount of money. Um, 
why wouldn't you have a system that works for you? I think every system becomes corrupt eventually. Um, I, I, this is where my interest comes in is how you go from one system to another without, uh, like just being sort of either pandering or not getting to the, the nub of the problem, the nub of the issue, the, the, the bottom of the issue, trying to find a way to do this that would mean that, uh, both sides could actually work together. That is what we really want. And that sort of arbitration yeah. Yeah. does cost a load of money. And at the moment, that money is going towards uh, loads of other things that are about people arguing and grievances. And we need to find another way. We do need to find another way um, around this because the current systems and, and how I've seen them manipulated over time um, to also do the same. Girls were taken from Kendall House. They were trafficked and they were trafficked for sex and they were brought back to Kendall House. One woman, like I say, Teresa Cooper locked in a room, I think it was for something like nine months or something she was locked in a room, maybe more. That's the type of stuff that they do in these sort of places. I, I, I mean, you, you, I, I, I have two problems. I have number one is that I have uh, a, a want to not exaggerate and a want to exaggerate because it's both so horrifying and right. I can't really believe the actual true figures that are involved in a lot of this. When you actually look at the numbers, you say, yeah, I, I end up cutting them down rather than lifting them up most of the time because I find it like so absurd in my head. I try and remember them and I, I when I go to recall them, it does not make any sense. So this is like an important subject because this revolves around uh, something which I think is a, a, a form, there's forms of child trafficking within the system. I think that's the best way to describe it within all of these um, social service systems. He's exactly. sort of like, like uh, I, I, there's real problems in how these systems work and, and they're not, they're obviously not fit for purpose. I've uh, had my own dealings with social services in the past where I've just been amazed that these people are human, that they feel like emotion for other people. Cause I, I, I think they get trained in such a way that they're taught to switch off. Um, because then that's the only way to deal with it fairly, but that's wrong. They switch off their emotions, they switch off their compassion, they switch off their caring, and they switch it off um, for, for basically everybody they're dealing with. And and I, it, it, it seems like it's a system that encourages that, trains that, and takes the emotion out. Uh, to, to, to defuse emotion, you only have to defuse it down to a certain level before people can actually communicate. What they do is take away all tension through uh, law, policy, their procedures, loads of, and basically it just costs a load of money, and that money comes from people, other people's pockets, and it does need to be another way. Um, what else have you got in the works, and what are you, what are you doing right now? Check. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we we basically just touched on a, you know, a very small amount of what Maximus is doing, right, but. With with some of the information that I have, um, I'm working with some, some some parents, some friends in different states to identify fraud. So um, we know the fraud's there. So I'm I'm trying to, you know, not just be a researcher, but uh, apply this in a real in real world situations to help people, you know, find okay. find resolution and getting their getting their children back, you know, from the state and in these different scenarios. But um, I'm also 
trying to look ahead and see seeing what this company is doing now and, and where it might lead us and try to you know throw out some theories to different friends you know um but it's you know i quickly realized that a lot of the information i have about maximus and, and its origins and some of these other things that are still operating you know from 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 the mk ultra stuff and you know i'm a ground zero in tennessee I'm, I'm two hours from Oak Ridge National Lab, which is where the uranium for the Manhattan Project was <laughs> being enriched. So, um, you know, there's a lot of areas I'm fielding right now. But the biggest thing is me just trying to, you know, take this information and apply it and, and help people. And, um, and that's what I'm going to continue doing. You know, I don't monetize anything, you know. Um, I, for me... I, I believe I was called to, to help expose these systems um, and show people what's what's happening in the in the family courts. You know, not just here, but you know, the same divestiture. You know, the, the same things are happening in other countries where Maximus is present. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's just getting worse. Um, you know, and something something I I found I didn't even realize I had it, Johnny. But um, you know, I had a uh, I had a report on the uh, it's called the Plutonium Files. Um, can't remember the, the woman who wrote wrote the book, um, but there was um, there was that, and some of those experiments came out of Oak Ridge National Lab in Vanderbilt University in the states. Um, and then there was a report released under the Clinton administration. Uh, AC, I think it was called the Acre Report or something to that effect. Anyway, in a footnote, in one of the reports I found um, where it actually, and, and this would be at the behest of, you know, lawmakers and legislatures and attorneys where, and this is why foster care is, is equally, if not more so important than, you know, the, the child support stuff. Um, Foster care children are legally, um, you know, they're wards of the state, obviously, right? So they can be tested on. Which is why you have situations like you were describing, you know, and mm-hmm. where did missing, where, where did the kids go? Well, they're probably, you know, there's no polite way to put it. They, they were probably used up and tossed away by, by, the system or, you know, big pharma or, you know, being, you know, used in, used in whatever experiment, you know, and, and just carefully tossed away. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we saw a lot of the same things happening under Hitler, you know, Mengele. So mm-hmm. the systems continue, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like and they, they, about. they grow corrupt over time. Yeah. massively important to go into and it's really awkward stuff that a lot of people don't like to look into a lot of, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable um almost everybody of a certain age have had experiences with um issues with parenting 
uh, a lot of people are divorced from broken families. I, I mean, I'm from a, a broken family. I'm from a broken home. My my parents went through a terrible divorce. And I was like, I took my mum's side in it. And all. everybody takes a side and does all of this. And it becomes really a painful process for everybody. So, so to, to, to roll up your, your legs, your, your jeans and get in the water and wade around in the bog of of this sort yeah. of stuff is massively important so well done jack jack pendergrass and thank you for coming on news paste johnny thank you brother and uh hopefully um hopefully there's some takeaway and people can can start looking into this and maybe use some of the information and maybe affect some change you know start yeah. locally and branch out that's really good um yeah a lot of your links and stuff will all be in the description so Again, thank, thank you very much. Thank you.